Welcome to Busy House Happy Home, where you can ask Charlie your home dilemmas and I will help you along with my expert friends so your busy house becomes a happy home. I'm absolutely thrilled to be having a conversation today with Isabel Squirrel. Isabel is a psychotherapist, a child psychotherapist. And so we're going to be having a, ch- a chat about, you know, children, how how best we parent, how best we navigate things. It's such a difficult world out there today. And there's so many questions that I want to talk to Isabel about. And I hope that you find this conversation helpful. Um, Isabel, welcome to Busy House, Happy Home. Hello, welcome. It's so nice to be here. Um, yeah, I'm excited to talk. Well, Isla, will you tell our listeners a little bit about your background and, and what you do? Yes, yeah, so um, I'm a child psychotherapist and I also work with adolescents and parents as well. Um, my training is quite long. It's about a sort of six year um, endeavour and we're learning all about like child development and observing babies. And then there's um, placements that involve kind of being in NHS setting, school setting, um, and just working with a whole range of children and families. So yeah, my, I, before that, I was in like my previous career, I was um, a teaching assistant in schools. So I thought, do I want to be a teacher? Like maybe that's for me. But I realised that I'm more interested in the emotions and well-being of children than probably the the kind of academic side was probably less less suited to my personality. So um, yeah, like it's, it's a really fun job that I didn't really know existed when I was younger. So I'm glad about it. <laughs> Yeah, well, we're glad about it too, because you are fabulous. And Isabel kindly gave up her time to come and talk um, on Zoom with my members club. And that was a really great conversation. Um, My members had been asking for somebody um, to come and chat about parenting and things like that. So Isabel um, came and and chatted to us, which was great. And it's been lovely getting to know you um, over over the last, I don't know, six weeks or something. Oh, Isabel, can we talk a little bit about, you know, sort of navigating parenting and how, you know, today there's so much out there. There's all this, you know, um, tech, all this gaming, all this, you know, social media stuff. And I know I've got teenage children. I know I find it really hard sort of keeping them safe. There's so much in the news. There's just every everything is just quite overwhelming Mm. how do we navigate as parents with the like let's start with the news how much should our children be hearing about what's going on in the world should we be completely open with them and let them hear everything or should we censor stuff yeah I think this is a really important one because I suppose it points down to the the general shoulds and the pressure that parents and we all put on ourselves around um, trying to like get the right amount of everything, the right amount of exposure. And I think there's such a conscientiousness a bit in our culture, which is wonderful around parenting, but sometimes it can be totally overwhelming to then feel what is the right thing to do all the time. And I think that there aren't blanket rules and that's just really important that there isn't one way, but then it's also knowing your child and how sensitive they are. There are definitely some children or adolescents that would be more affected than others. And but it's also thinking, is the desensitizing to everything around us something that we're all so exposed to? And actually, that's it's it's not that helpful either. And this is so distressing. I mean, there is definitely such distressing stuff in the news. And I think it's important to be mindful of not having visual 
um, like TVs just on playing it actually, um, rather than maybe better radio or articles to read or just being conscious, especially of the age of your child, obviously, but thinking not overwhelming with the visual. Um, yeah, that's yeah, I try to make sure in the evenings that we don't have the news on, um, mm. like we used to. My husband always used to watch watch the news before going to bed, and actually, I've made made a change there because the children are now going to bed a bit later, and I don't want it to be the last thing they see on here mm. before they go to bed. I want to try mm. and keep it kind of cozy and light, but also being honest and realistic. It's yes, fun. yes. Getting the right balance, I find. Totally. And I suppose, yeah, so on the flip side, it's not shielding and that kind of helicopter style parenting where you're just constantly monitoring and making sure, like wanting to wrap them up in cotton wool, which is understandable because they're your child and you want to make the world a lovely place for them. But it's important that there's exposure in a gradual way so that yeah. they come to realise how do I, how am I prepared in yeah. this big, scary world? And gradually being exposed and, and asking them I think what do they know about stuff that's happening and sort of sit, taking the lead from them because they will have picked up on things from their peers or but because they're so amazing with technology and social media they probably have already got their own thoughts often they might be a, f a few steps ahead on some stuff so it's good to kind of really clarify how much they know and then have those conversations where you're opening up in inviting questions and I think that's such a, in general a wonderful way of building a meaningful connection with your child is having a space where they are the one that can ask whatever they want and then you're just this kind of space for them yes I think that's what I love about you is um you're so sort of gentle but you you carefully encourage <laughs> the conversation <laughs> without <laughs> crying too much if that makes sense you've got a really wonderful way oh thank you I think it's I mean it's just so important because I think I've I've met so many different children and so many different families and it's so striking how everyone will engage totally differently and there really isn't one way of one family one way of being in a family like the idea of a normal family what that even means I think is so you know so we there isn't one way it's just amazing how different everyone is so I kind of I think I'm getting humbled the more I do this where I think oh gosh there really isn't a one blanket rule and I think I would genuinely you know things that seem opposite like opposite ideas of what is helpful for a child I would actually say sometimes with one child one thing is right and with another child the complete opposite is right because yeah. it really is being sensitive to them and it is amazing how you know, we've got three children, they're so different and they all have completely different needs. Mm -hmm. Or he absorbs absolutely everything. He's got, his ears are constantly flapping. You might think he's absorbed by, I don't know, his phone or a computer game, but no, 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 he's taking it all in. And, mm -hmm. and then worries about it. And then it will come out later on. You know, he'll, he'll think about it process it worry about it and then and then we'll have the conversation and you think gosh I had no idea you were privy to that that you were listening in that you were aware because that's I so true and they have little antennas picking up on picking up on things <laughs> they do they really do and I think um I think it's really important to have honest open conversations with them I um 
I had, uh, and I talked about this on my YouTube channel, I had a, a breast cancer scare recently. So I went and had a mammogram and they suggested that they did a biopsy immediately. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't hide it from the children because... Um, well, I was hours later than I was supposed to be to pick them up. So a friend had to pick them up. I had a bandage around my chest because uh, the site wouldn't stop bleeding. It wasn't actually a biopsy. They ended up removing the whole cells. It was like a sort of, yeah, it was quite painful. Gosh, and, yeah. <laughs> and it took a while to recover. And I, I was chatting to my husband who who was away on a business trip. And he said, well, I, I think you shouldn't tell the children. They'll just worry. And I said, well, I can't hide this from them, actually. I think it's better that I... I tell them what's going on because if they hear like if they look and worry they're like they'd look and notice something for starters yes also they'd hear like hush conversations and whisper conversations and doors being closed where adults are having conversations behind a closed door and I think that then makes them feel really insecure definitely and like I think what you're picking up there is this idea that children join the dots when if, if if the adults don't draw draw the lines between the dots they will form their own conclusions yeah and they do pick up on so much so much more and so and even really tiny babies I mean often when you're having a very difficult conversation a baby will start crying because they can pick up on the mood they don't necessarily they don't understand the words but they can pick up on what is the emotion because we're sort of wired in our nervous systems to pick up on emotions and they can tell if suddenly you're acting differently or there is something going on. I think there is a sense that there's an, there's an ominous feeling. And actually yeah. that can, if it, if it can't be put into words, it then becomes even bigger in a child's mind. But actually putting language to things helps make it become sort of digestible in some way. And it sounds like in this experience that you had or when anyone goes through something difficult, there is this thing again, this desire to shield, but actually we can't shield children from the reality that life is difficult sometimes and and actually being honest about that is important you know in some way but obviously I'm sure you said things in a sense you know in a way that was thoughtful and maybe not overly alarming um I tried to play it down massively (laughs) yeah yeah we tried to be reassuring that I wasn't worried and I was you know just safer to safer to check and then um and you know luckily it was all absolutely fine but I felt it was really important to be open and honest with them can we talk now sort of going off on a slight tangent from where we are about trauma for children Mm. and how to navigate childhood trauma because I know that that's an area that you do a lot of work in Yeah, so lots I mean so one of the the biggest parts of child psychotherapy and I guess where it might different be different than a kind of ordinary parenting experiences that um people usually only come to me when there are there have been quite difficult things happening or if a child is feeling very anxious and unhappy or low mood but so trauma may be something that is um a one-off event so like a car accident or a bereavement or when there is illness in the family or abuse or neglect or just horror you know really we can imagine the kind of one-off dimension but then there's also the developmental aspect of trauma which is where um as a child develops there's a sort of dynamic in the relationship that with their maybe caregivers or the people around them that is a little bit complex and they sort of absorb certain ways of being and 
it's a bit harder to put into words that kind but it can have these things can impact anxiety depression low moods other things and so often we don't know we don't understand ourselves and we don't even know why we have a certain behavior or a child is acting in a certain way and they can go you know who knows intergenerationally going back what events have happened in the past and they kind of find a way of coming out um without anyone being quite conscious of what's been happening so I think yeah it's very important that parents are sort of aware of um their own stories and working on oneself is so important as an adult because also children are the first to be impacted by our lives yes yes and actually I had that type of trauma in my childhood um that that had a huge huge impact in my life which is why I've ended up doing what I'm doing and years of work on myself to to stop that uh sort of intergenerational trauma continuing mm. to live on um throughout my family yes and there's been this amazing study which is the ACES study which is about adverse childhood experiences which sort of lists all these kinds of adverse childhood experiences like you know all, all the things we're talking about these kind of traumas if they happen in childhood and the number of them that you have the likelihood of things like early death or getting chronic illnesses um in adulthood and as well as sort of mental health difficulties later is just huge but actually the impact if you have one emotionally available adult in your life before the age of 18 it mitigates against all of the things that happened and it's quite remarkable and that's I think it's really an amazing study because it shows how if you can we're so resilient and you know if we can have a good experience of emotional presence and someone holding us and maybe maybe I mean the fact that you were able to kind of do do so much positive stuff in your life I had an amazing couple in my life I mean mum was amazing but she was seriously seriously damaged um, and my father was very difficult and I've talked a lot about that in the past but I had um, some very very old family friends who the first Christmas everything went horribly wrong for us um, I I got in touch with them and said can I come and stay for Christmas and I felt safe there and I had the best Christmas and they were so loving they were so kind they've got four older sons and you know they just scooped me up as part of the family and they've always been there for me for for many many years um and and that really gave me the sort of sense of of love and friendship and and normality that I was actually desperately craving and I think that gave me the hope that you can you can change and you can make big changes in your life and oh that's lovely and and I think these things affect the brain as they develop and the brain is still developing until you're 25 so really if there are any of these kind of adults you know whether that's kind of school staff or if you people may even have children or adolescents in their life who aren't their own children and you can be that kind of a safe space which is and yeah yeah, for them and it's and it's amazing how you felt that magnetic pull because when you're in trouble as a young person you can you identify who those people are and you can and you can feel safe and I've heard many stories of people where a teacher or an individual has has just been there and actually it's been a kind of life transforming impact really for the young person so that lifeline of, of you know comfort and love and support that that people need when they're going through you know really difficult times totally I know you can't say too much but how how do you work with a child 
that's that's going through a difficult time do they they come and have appointments with you in person or online and and what involvement do you have with the the family with the caregivers as well can you talk through sort of how you work yeah, yeah, I can talk. I talk about the process. I'm conscious of kind process, of not, the confidentiality, yeah. but um, yeah. So how it works is people often parents get in touch with me, or I work in schools as well, um, and it may be that the school or the parents would get in touch through the school, um, and then I would meet with the parents initially, and we we kind of have a really um, we kind of have a little initial conversation to see if it's right, and then after that it would be an in depth kind of understanding of the journey of the child I like to know like from the from the first moment you know you were even thinking of having children what was the beginning the story of the child's life um and we kind of go through that together and then um after that it's sessions which look like one-on-one with a young person or child and I kind of work with the parents maybe as well alongside it really depends on the family and what's right for them how, how often we meet um, but then it, with the young person or child, it would be every week sessions. We have 50 minutes, which is the kind of therapeutic hour um, yeah. that, that's been there a long time just to, to give the 10 minute break, which is so important. I think actually in this day and age of where we are conscious of things like self-care and in so many other industries, people don't put 10 minute gaps between appointments. Yeah. And um, it's a very helpful thing to, for people to do. So that's the reason for the 50 minutes. Yeah. And then in the session, it's it's my my room looks like um a kind of playroom so it's a bit we've got a doll's house I've got um puppets a sand tray um tiny figures um little kind of toy figures small ones that you can kind of tell stories with um and in the sand tray they often it's the idea is it's a, it's like a movie that you create with the figures and then there's drawing and painting and all that available or there's just talking as well but sometimes words are hard to find and yeah. especially for younger kids it's nicer to play out what's going on and like children's play is often a way for them to communicate tell their story yeah tell their story and and actually even when children are playing kind of privately to themselves at home in normal life their play is often it's a way of processing stuff um and often they are playing it's all symbolic but it's they're playing through emotions or experiences and figuring things out um and that's kind of roughly what happens when when they're with me in the sense that there's a playing together and my role is really to come alongside and let them kind of lead what they they lead what happens and I follow and this is something that I because I share quite often with parents about how to build connection and be supportive through difficulties and actually you're doing in a way the same thing that I would be doing in a session it's just you're living with them and doing ordinary life as well um, yeah. and I suppose I provide that really intense experience of attention giving attention but I, but actually there's something that can be recreated with parents and children and parents and teenagers where you're just attending to how they their their kind of spontaneous gestures their spontaneous play mm. and just being observant of that and noticing things but just coming alongside and letting them lead and actually it's yeah. not it's not like we have a homework where they plan um I plan something that they have to do and they have certain activities it's not like that I mean there are different there are different modes of therapy and I work in a kind of psychoanalytic um attachment based um integrative approach really um which looks like following the child really and letting them lead and that builds self-esteem as well to feel that you're the one your stuff is so interesting you know when you see an adult who's interested in you it can make you feel very important and that's yeah. um 
that's kind of the building blocks for being able to then process pain and being able to hold someone else in their pain yeah. that's kind of how how it works really yeah gosh it's fascinating yeah it is I mean and it's amazing that every I kind of don't know what's going to happen in every session the you know every um experience is every child communicates in their own way and um every, every story is different there's no, no two same you know scenarios and situations is there yeah exactly exactly and it's it's very profound I think the impact that they have on me and it's such a cheesy thing to say but that is that the, the, I am so impacted by all the children and families that I work with and they um they hold a very special place inside there's a it's a very profound relationship really and it's yeah. of course it's a job but it's so much more than a job you know it's a yeah. Um, and it's, an, it's I think it's something that yeah I always think I don't know a client could be listening to this who knows but they they're so important to me in a way and it's an amazing um it's a real privilege really being able to do that yeah 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 absolutely wow you are such you're so, such a wonderful person um we're going to change tack again um, <laughs> to there's so much sort of neuro neurodiversity out there at the moment there's so much sort of ADHD and like dyslexia and this child's on the spectrum and all the rest of it and how do we as parents navigate that I'd mm. love to sort of mm. hear your wisdom and advice on on how you know how we navigate a child that's a bit different and yeah. and support them in the right way to give them the confidence that that it's okay to be different yeah yeah I think it's so important to think about to the when you have a con you have in your mind a fantasy of what your child is going to be like and that fantasy is before you've even conceived your child you know it's like when you're when you're a kid you think oh my child is going to be like this you know we have all these ideas and we might imagine that they'd be really academic or this amazing sports person or um like a you know a music musician you know we have all these hopes and dreams and for even the relationship as well that we'll really connect and they'll open up to us and all this stuff yeah. but actually so often the child that is born is their own person and not what we always expect yeah be and it's very important to really be and this is where kind of the mindset around the child is their own person and your your kind of job is to allow them to flourish in whatever way they they can you know fully enabling them I think it then becomes much easier to accept the child as they are and that's just something and so then it's going okay well you know they are very sensitive to certain noises so actually and you notice that over time and you think maybe these sorts of environments where it's really noisy isn't even though you might really like that as a parent maybe that's not the best thing for them and try but then it might be talking with them about okay you need to go to these spaces sometimes how can you navigate that and yeah. I think it's important to include the child in these conversations and being and because you're wanting always we want children to be able to manage in all kinds of spaces and to be resilient in that way but sometimes we have expectations of them to fit in a sort of neurotypical way and actually yeah. if a child is autistic or they have ADHD then they don't I mean often the school system all the things that we've created in our world so often don't suit um yeah. so easily those those kind of brains but actually they have amazing other talents often that are um other ways of seeing things what was that sorry on those other talents and those other skills that they have and making those 
you know highlighting those as a real positive yes that's so true yes exactly highlighting you know anyone that's not normal in inverted commas is you know can be picked on or singled out or feel excluded and that's really hard for Mm. children um yeah as a parent I mean I used to be a nanny I've worked a lot with children over the years and it's Mm. it's so hard I think when a child just doesn't feel that they're fitting in and normal yeah yeah and it's a layer it's another layer to add to if you already feel like with adults it's difficult or in school it's difficult and then your peers it's then also difficult that's that's it's really it's it's challenging for self-esteem but then being able to as an adult just come alongside and listen empathize validate their experience then that does an awful lot actually being able to just have someone hear you when you're going through something like that yeah it is about listening isn't it yeah and not probing (laughs) I know conversation about you know when you pick them up from school asking all the questions and not getting any answers back it's very frustrating yeah that's it that's true (laughs) advice your advice what did you say can you remember what you said yeah I said so we were talking about this with um some of your members I think and um how how we can want to ask lots of questions and want to know everything and the temptation is to just then and uh, curiosity is a really important thing but it's I think it's good to think of it as a stance like a way of being like I'm curious about you but it doesn't always have to look like asking lots of questions because that can feel intrusive to especially adolescents they're a bit like I need my own life a little bit and that's part of their um journey that they need to take you know adolescents are about trying to find their own identity and so sometimes that looks like keeping parents a little bit at a distance but then you obviously want a relationship with them that's meaningful so we were talking about being in the car I think and you and you came up with a great thing of playing um you said something about the radio or something like that being like a fun idea um yeah that's something a bit different having a moment but I think also just kind of commenting is really valuable not just um not just asking questions but maybe commenting on oh like I was you know you might share a bit about your day and then might think oh I can imagine that there's a lot going on at school at the moment and you might have um you know lots yeah lots with your friends or you can keep very general statements and then sort of create space and just see what they offer um, rather than it just being like um, asking lots of things like what did you have for lunch what did you do today? <laughs> how was this how was that just yeah yeah because yeah, it used to be met with good good fine which just feels it doesn't feel as as meaningful for anyone really frustrating as a parent when you just get a closed a closed door the whole yeah. time yeah um, yeah can feel quite rejected and 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 it can be quite hurtful actually as a parent when your child's going through periods of change and the door is just closed in your face yeah uh, that's true that's so true and I think that's I think that is the point though as well of what the adolescent is trying to do and like there's something and even when a child does it I think it's it's so easy to take personally these things and find it rejecting because that's what they want you to sort of experience but actually it could be that there's something kind of they're communicating in that they might be saying oh I just need a bit of my own space and actually that's not intrinsically bad thing that they just want their own space to think and sometimes it's 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 nice to even comment about this and be like oh maybe you want to keep me out of things sometimes maybe you need a bit of your own space and then they'll probably look at you and with a 
with a look of yes I definitely yes. definitely do <laughs> um but maybe naming it is quite important too and being able to just say okay I understand like I'm here if you want to talk about it but it's kind yeah. of I think it's really important to let them know that they can talk to you about anything mm-hmm. yeah I had a bit of a scenario uh, with my eldest son who um sent me a message he was at a friend's house and was like mum something really bad's happened and um I don't know how you're gonna react but I think you're gonna react badly and basically because because I'm on social media and his friends see it two of his friends did like a skit of one of my videos (laughs) and he was worried that I would take it the wrong way and anyway, he sent me the video. It was hilarious. One of them was wearing an apron with nothing on underneath, just oh. poking out as he was cooking. And I <laughs> I filmed a video. I'd actually filmed a video that day that was of a similar cooking something similar. So. And I dedicated it to the boys. Uh, with my son's permission and he thought it was hilarious but he was really worried about how it's going to react and I thought we just we just have to take, take this light-hearted and, yes. and 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 joke back yeah, and yeah everybody had a really good laugh and I think it's important that I should think I'm sharing the story because it's important that I think as we as parents we can laugh at ourselves yeah I love that so much and, and then children kind of feel safe and and um that it's okay it's okay to to have a bit of a joke and to be part of a joke and actually I don't mind people me being the the the, the subject of the joke yes that's you know, true and I think the right way whereas you know he was worried that I was going to be upset I was like actually this is hilarious yeah that's so nice and I love that you surprised him with that in a way of being able to, being able like, to take I- it I've actually already filmed this video, Arch. Shall I um, shall I post it dedicated to them? And he was like, yeah, go on, mommy, it'll be hilarious. That's so funny. I love it. That's so nice. And it's true being able to accept sometimes, accept what happens rather than it feeling like a defensive thing. Because you yeah. could have reacted totally differently. And maybe that's what he had in his mind of like what a authority figure could do but actually it's so fun to be I definitely think if you can try and turn things into a humorous oh, game it's great it. uh, and was a little bit hurt that the boy that his friends had done this mm. actually I turned it around as no no this is hilarious this is great that they're in the kitchen <laughs> yeah. they're taking the mickey out of me but it's great that they're in the kitchen trying to cook something so I was um. I think that's so nice. It's so it's so true. Like not taking yourself too seriously is important. I think and adolescents have a way of, um, yeah, finding a way of, um, you know, poking holes in adults. And sometimes we just need to be okay with that. And yeah, yeah, we do. And yeah. I think it's really important to let them find their own way and make their mm-hmm. own mistakes. Like we, yes. However tempting it is as a parent to, like not wrap them up in cotton wool but catch them before they fall yes totally so sometimes they have got to it's so hard as a parent but they they have to you know make the mistakes themselves to learn not to do that again and we can't catch them all the time no no that's a hard realization as a parent but actually I think quite important very important because if they fall and you know as using that as it, when you say the word for it makes me think about um 
crawling babies or children and babies learn to walk and the need you know of course you could just hold them and make sure they never fall over but then they don't develop that confidence that they've fallen and been able to get up again and that sense of self-trust that you gain through being able to overcome something hard yeah. is that gives you so much confidence to try new things and to be brave in all kinds of different areas and actually it's yeah I think it's having that long-term view that it's worth a few a few seconds longer of letting them figure something out and then they gain something you're, you're actually you're not being a neglectful parent in allowing them to figure out how to stand up again literally if they fall over um it's just but then you're watching maybe keeping an eye on things you know so they don't get too bad because we don't need to create suffering for them but um yeah. but then they they just get a little bit longer to figure something out and then and then they take with them this confidence which is and, and knowing that you're always there so when they do fall you will be there to comfort them mm. and they do have something when they're older that goes wrong or doesn't go to plan or you know the first time they drink too much or whatever but you will be this that safe yeah. person to yeah. come and let them know that okay it's okay maybe not the best to do that let's learn mm. from this without being too um uh what's the word like uh too Blank or making them feel not shaming them yes yeah, shaming definitely yeah I think that's it and it's and that shaming is so, um, it does such sort of damage to the self-esteem really. And even though sometimes it can be tempting to want to be, um, especially when you're feeling sort of, you might yourself be triggered as a parent, you may find yourself then losing it or, um, but actually that that makes them feel so inadequate inside and it does prevent them from talking with you in the future probably because they don't always feel like yeah. it's, it's gonna go down very well. And actually it's being able to accept being able to accept them and their feelings and their emotions and acceptance isn't the same as saying I accept all behaviors but you're saying you accept the person that you are and I accept your feelings you know I accept anger but not violence they're not the same um yeah. if a child is like feeling really angry it's important to say I accept you know I, I can I can take your anger being angry yeah yeah, yeah. but being violent is... is a difference yeah and the, and the we can, we can decide what kind of person we want to be. And maybe this is something, and you can even say, I can understand why you might want to hurt this person. I can see why that happened, but actually, is that really going to help them? Are you going, is it going to help you? Is it going to resolve the conflict? Because it doesn't resolve anything. No, it doesn't. Um, and so they do, and so there's no, there's no value to it, but it's being able to understand the thinking that might go on or the feelings they have, and then offering them, maybe there are some other ways that we can try and resolve things. Um, and that's more useful than just saying, don't do it, don't do it, you know, just shouting and kind of harsh, um, you know, authoritarian approaches to parenting, which has been the kind of, you know, that was that was the traditional way. Um, but sometimes there's now a flip on the other side where there's a reaction against that, where people can be scared of putting boundaries and um, saying no feels mean as a parent. So there can be a, a complete reaction against the authoritarian style as well. Yes, yeah. That's just made me think of think of a scenario that that's caused me uh, years of problems. And actually, I can share it now. Um, I my my daughter had a birthday party, a sleepover, and she was eight. And um, one of the parents was quite 
firm that the children went to sleep at a sensible time because they had sports going on the following afternoon. She didn't want them to be overtired. So I got I got them all into bed and they would have a lovely afternoon. We had made pizzas and we'd watched a movie and we'd had popcorn and what have you. But at like 2 a.m., they, they were fully dressed, had packed their beds away and were running around the house. Yeah. And I was like, no, 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 no we can't do this you need to go back to bed I really tried to stay calm to not raise my voice to be mm-hmm. firm but mm-hmm. be like no, this is the middle of the night this isn't okay mm-hmm. and I was supposed to be taking them all to the cinema the following morning mm-hmm. and it was all booked and that was the plan and then the parents were picking up at like midday and um Anyhow, they they didn't go back to bed. I didn't get any sleep. But at 6 a.m., they were running around outside. (laughs) And I hadn't slept. Um, I mean, I maybe had an hour from like, I don't know. Yeah, whenever I've got other people's children in the house, I never kind of sleep brilliantly. I hadn't gone into a deep sleep before they were kind of running around. And so I messaged the the parents and said, I'm not going to take them to the cinema. Could you come and pick them up? We haven't had a great night. Um, and I, you know, have I, I explained I'd been awake all night and I didn't feel safe driving them. And there's a couple of mothers that that haven't spoken to me since. Oh. Yeah. A couple of mothers are completely understanding, completely fine about it. But um, yeah. yeah apparently I said I don't remember saying it I don't reward bad behavior um you know by by taking them to the cinema but I it was it was just yeah and it was difficult because they were all at school together and it's caused a big rift oh gosh yeah but um Mm. I felt that that they needed to be in bed asleep and that they couldn't be running around all night and that that wasn't okay you need to, to explain that actually you've got to go back to bed and if you don't then I'm really sorry but I can't take you to the cinema because yeah I all night. but that sounds to me like just putting boundaries around yeah. children and actually it makes them feel safe when they feel like they're not so powerful I think it isn't saying no is a gift because it allows them to um know that they're not in charge which actually makes them feel like someone else is in charge, which is quite nice because they know that the world is a scary place if children are in charge of everything. <laughs> um, they don't really want. They don't really want that, even if it seems like a nice yeah, thing. I think uh, you know. I don't really use, boundaries. I think are important, but I also think more of like routine and structure and knowing where they are. Totally. Well, that yeah. That there's another well, word. Yeah. Like the goalposts, but if you like say, well, we're not doing this then sticking by that because if you then go back on your word then the goalpost is always being moved and children don't know where they are yeah totally Uh, and that's confusing and um it then is harsh to 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 get across with or to say or to say um it's harsh it's harsh to kind of put a say this is crossing a line if the line is not clear where the line is so yeah Yeah. it's definitely I mean it's is it but definitely sticking to sticking to the but I think it's important. I would it's very, very mean mummy for not. Yeah, but it's okay. I think it's great to say. But for me, it was important, and my husband and I had long chats about it. So in the middle of the night, of what do we do? Oh yeah, I'm not going back to sleep. Clearly, how can you go to sleep when they're awake and they're not old enough to like, 
you know, they could go and, I don't know, decide to turn the oven on or or use a knife or whatever. It's different when they're older. Of course, of course. You can't just go to sleep when you've got a house full of other people. No, 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 no. And the impact on all of you. I think it's important for yeah to see the impact of it. And there's a there's a there's a sort of natural consequence of everyone's tired the next day, so it doesn't work anymore. Um, the plan doesn't really work now that everyone's tired. That's it. it makes it's, a, it's like a logical outworking of of what they they did anyway. And I'm sure. I'm sure that it would have had an impact. I'm sure all of those those children may have had an impact. Something. Yeah, but they they, they learned something valuable. Maybe it's not a it's not a harsh thing to do, really, to say um, that this isn't going to happen. Um, but it's it's a firm thing, and firm is firm is good and and kind at the same time because you really want them to sleep because it's good for them. Like sleep is a healthy thing. <laughs> like you're saying, it's just routine. You know, it's not actually even if you feel like the big bad wolf. And I think children can turn us all into the big bad wolf, whether that's professionals in school or, you know, teachers, therapists, parents, anyone can become like that when they say no. But actually saying no is, you know, having a thousand sweets isn't also something that's good for them. And, you know, they need that. (laughs) They need those lines to come in. Yeah, because I think, you know, overtiredness, and I think that's what's really hard as a parent when you are really overtired and the boundaries are being pushed and tested um you know not losing it and trying to stay calm I often will count to 10 take a moment breathe think about it before I react um and just snap back um yeah definitely and it's and it isn't good I mean yeah losing one's temper it's just not a helpful it's not a helpful thing to do because everyone feels everyone feels bad afterwards like you as an adult feel bad the child feels sometimes the the fear that goes off in their brain because of our nervous system when someone shouts especially our caregiver it, it it kind of puts us into fight and flight really um so the child just forgets what the issue was and it's all then about the fact that mommy or daddy got cross and that's that kind of becomes the center of the situation if we do lose our temper what what's the best way to to rectify it I think to apologize I think it's important to say and actually apologizing to children is amazing so you're modeling like okay I'm a human I make mistakes which you know of course everyone every parent is going to lose their temper sometimes but it's just saying actually this wasn't helpful and I've thought about it and I thought what was that you know I I was I was you know I was too stressed inside of me and I I should never speak to you like that and it's not okay and sometimes it can be a fun thing I mean I've done before suggested ideas around putting um like a jar in the home where everybody puts like a marble in the jar if they and the parents do it as well as the child or young person a bit of like we've all like lost you know we've all not treated each other as we wish yeah. we had yeah. it's kind of like everyone taking responsibility together the whole family to do it the whole family yeah not just like anyone being no one person being shamed for it yeah. Um, but yeah it's kind of a standard of saying like this isn't really what we want as the culture of our house yeah. um yeah. and of course we're gonna of course we're gonna make mistakes but it's also good to apologize <laughs> and kids love it kids love it when we apologize you know we learn from our mistakes don't we yeah <laughs> yeah well thank you so much for having this conversation can I leave your details linked um down in the show notes if people want to get in touch with you yes please do please do yes isabel underscore child and parent is my instagram and childandparent.org is my 
uh, website. So right. it'd be lovely, lovely to hear from anyone. Assembly, thank you so much for your time and for for having this conversation with me. You're you're amazing. Such oh, a- thank you. So are you. It's been really fun. <laughs> Thanks so much, Isabel. I would be really grateful if you are enjoying my podcast. If you would just take a moment to hit the subscribe button, it helps other people know that we exist, and I would be so grateful of that and leave me a review the more subscribers we have the more episodes i can put on for you so please just take a moment and hit the subscribe button